Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue live from Hockey Social Club. My name's Dan Rowlands. I'm joined here once again by John Townley, and we're going to do an Aston Villa Q and A. I really like doing these Q and As because the breadth of the topics that come up are no, there's no ends. Yeah, they're interesting to say the least. Given some of the ones I've got here in front of me, these are all from Twitter. Now, at some point, we are going to open this up to YouTube comments as well, and we'll let you know that we're doing a Q and A and we're after questions because I feel like we need to involve that YouTube community a little bit more. We'll start right away though with the question from John Hayes. He says, should we move to a completely new stadium that rivals the best teams in terms of its capacity, multi-purpose ability and modernisation? I'll let you answer this. <laughs> well, the answer for me is no way, is what I've yeah. put in my notes. I just I can't get on board with a, a totally new stadium. Rebuilding Villa Park several times and expanding it and making it bigger and better, I'm absolutely all for that. I understand it's difficult sometimes to get to and from Villa Park and that's an issue and I, I, I kind of get the the appeal of moving somewhere that's that's easier to get in and out of and things like that but Villa Park is Aston Villa like it's our history it's it'd be very hard to kind of wash our hands of that and do what West Ham have done and move from Upton Park to, to London Stadium it's just their fans no. don't like that and I, I feel like whoever is the the owner or the chairman or whoever that makes that decision at Aston Villa I'm not sure they ever recover from that because I don't think the fans would would want it. A lot of fans have been talking about it in general on social media and I think most people would say absolutely not. It's just that point of Villa are obviously trying to make um, a lot of adaptations to Villa Park to make it more accessible for one, I think is the key. Yeah, yeah. Transport links have to be improved and no one's more frustrated that that isn't being pushed through at the moment than them. Um, Obviously, the phase one of the redevelopment's been adapted ever so slightly. So now the club shop and a cafe is going to be moved into the north stand, which is going to be a bit of an adaptation to the planning proposal there. And then a new planning proposal will be um, made for uh, the academy or stumps building that's being sort of uh, renovated and revitalised. While the Villa Live is still a project that's going to take shape eventually, but just not right now. So... There will still be changes that are going to come about in terms of the phase one, but we know that's going to increase the capacity by 7,000 fans or so. The difficulty is the transport and where Villa Park is located. It's Yes, this train station is very close, and I think Witten is the closest to Villa to a stadium in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken, or one-off. So it's all there. It just needs to be... There needs to be improvements, don't there? And yeah. Those are conversations with, with the council, and we're not privy to them, but... The conversation about moving Villa Park is a non-starter for almost everyone. However, if you asked in six years or five years and progress hasn't particularly been made, should we say, then those conversations will continue because Villa need to be housing fans in a big stadium. It's a huge catchment area, the biggest club in the Midlands. Um, and in Birmingham, the second city, by far the most supported. Those conversations will continue. I'm, I'm sure, again, if that progress isn't seen, you can't have more than 30 40 even more over the next few years thousand on a um on a waiting list because generations after ourselves will need to be going to games yeah, yeah. it has to happen you can't have the same set of fans you've for got 70 years you've got a newborn and if in 10 years they can't get a ticket to watch the game yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a major problem and we'll villa, villa park is aston villa and it is it's the best stadium in the country for sure for me and probably for you as well um and it resonates with so many people, so absolutely we don't want to move. But those conversations are only being sort of sparked because um, because of the sort of uh, frustrations, I suppose, about what I've just mentioned. But again, no one at the club is more sort of eager for that to be pushed forward. So we'll see what happens in the coming months um, and hopefully they can sort of break ground on everything that they want to do because it's a really uh, exciting project. Mm.
let's move to on the pitch then. Uh, last season, I'm not going to read names for everyone here because some Twitter users, I mean, this is Dr. AVFC. It's not from Dr. Tony. <laughs> it's a different doctor. Cheers, Doc. Last season, it was Douglas Louise who had a breakout season playing the best football that we've seen from him in a Villa shirt. Who do you think it could or will be for the season coming? I think that's a, 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 cr- a great question. Um, I would love a massive season from Ollie Watkins and break that 20-goal mark. Like I'd, I'd, I think that would be such a nice thing to see, as much as it being useful on the pitch to have a 20-goal striker. And the other one of players that are obviously currently here, I don't know how much game time he's going to get, depending on, on, on potential other signings, is Brendia. He's still the club record at the minute. He's still the club record transfer. Like I'd like to see him more from him to have a 10-goal, a 10-assist season. Like that'd be great. Yeah, it's, diff- it's very difficult, and the question is brilliant, but it's hard because everyone's improved a little bit, I think, or well, a little bit, quite a lot, under Emery. Louise is just the standout because I think we knew there was always a player in there and it's just getting the most out of him and he's got that now and he's been given licence to be arguably our best player. So it's difficult. I had Jacob Ramsey in mind yeah, because I just think there's a different level or more levels he can go and I can see that happening. And at the time of recording, this is the morning after he's injured his ankle and mm. there's potentially a case that he might need surgery. So we'll see how that plays out. But over the course of a season, I think he could be one that really um, you know, puffs his chest out and cracks on and goes through those gears now because he's, he's still young, of course he is, but he's now getting to that period where he can really realise that high potential that he has he doesn't really have a ceiling for me he's, he's got everything he needs to become a top player and next year I think he can definitely do that and I'm, I'm with you on Buendir and Watkins there's there's room for their improvement as well um, but I just think Ramsey if he, if he plays enough games which I'm sure he will there's you can see a real player in the making there and um, under Emery I'm sure he'll become that like I said at the start there's going to be a few nonsense questions in here as well but there's some football ones I promise um, best Villa kits in the last five years, says Mike. And the first one of five years is what, 2018? So Luckily, it's uh, <laughs> go back Luke to 2018 Roper. <laughs> Luke Roper. Um, I prefer the white, just to be slightly different. I've got that one. Um, yeah, I know. I'm very I wish jealous. I had the home one, though, because that's the... Yeah, it's obviously the one we got promoted in this year, but the, I love a white away kit. And obviously, as again, as we record this, this season's away kit hasn't come out yet. I'd love it to be white. Because I, I just think Aston Villa and white away kits is kind of iconic I quite like the, the black away shirt from 2020 to 21 yeah, yeah. the, the Arsenal 3 0 away season. that one yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought that was quite nice it was, I don't like shirts that sort of overdo it mm. I like it to be clean and so I think that one was quite nice yeah, I don't often wearing black as well so I can see that yeah I, I went out of the house today and I thought it looks a bit where's the pop depressing did it <laughs> <laughs> uh, right where next yeah me and I'm in a black away shirt as well <laughs> exactly <laughs> so. yeah. um, oh, here's a great question I love this one Hidden Villain says, if you put Watkins in the Martin O'Neill teams that finished sixth for three seasons running, or Gabby Bonhaw of that era in last season's Unai Emery side, who scores more goals over the course of an entire season? I think Gabby got 11 and then 13 goals from... Something like that. He never had like a massive season, did he? Of 15, 16. Yeah, 08, 09, and then 9 to 10 was 11 to 13, I think. Something like that. Yeah, and Watkins has had 14 and 15, so... <laughs> I'll go with Watkins because uh, strangely I I feel like we're a better team yes, now than what we point, were under yeah. O'Neill whereas O'Neill we had we we're obviously a good team but we had some very good individuals you're Ashley Youngs James Milner Gareth Barry and I actually very good team but I think it was like very kind of like we're a counter-attacking side and we've got a kind of that's all we've got I think a lot of those players you mentioned now are very good and in their prime would probably be in this I thought Gabby this might have team. scored more goals over that 
P- yeah, maybe a potentially, and I know we played with two strikers quite often as well, so maybe that sort of yeah. sharing the load with a John with a John Carew or whoever. Mm, yeah, so yeah. maybe that's the reason. But I think Watkins is a better footballer than Gabby. I think Gabby was known for his speed and not the the best finisher. Football's changed so much of as course, well. We'll yeah. never know if Gabby Bonnell was uh, as good a presser as Ollie Watkins. Well, yeah, or if Gabby Bonnell came through in this giant day and age, would he play as many games for us as he did? Probably not. Let's go with one of these nonsense questions then. I, I love stuff like this. Uh, well, was curious whether you'll get the reference here uh, from Matt he says will there ever be a boy who can swim faster than a shark ask Gareth Keenan yeah <laughs> I'm glad you understand the reference I wasn't sure whether you're an Office fan or not That's no good. I would yeah I love the Office yeah, yeah absolutely world class I love it I put in my little notes niche reference but I like it and the answer is yes why not <laughs> Let, let's have it uh, right another nonsense one let's get him out of the way from Jai Villa he says who'd win a free for all out of the biggest Villa podcasters also, a new content idea, which again I think is a great question. Well, if we're part of the biggest Villa podcasters, and then brilliant, I don't care who wins. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's nice to be in in that uh, arena, isn't it? Literally, um, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon Ty Gracie's got a bit about him, <laughs> and, and Bardell as well, just because they're big lads. So I reckon in a fist fight, like I'm five nine, five ten, I think these guys are like six two, six three. Twenty. 20 people in an octagon sort of oh, thing oh, like that's how. a great one maybe it is that I was just thinking like a boxing thing if it's like a massive oh yeah free fall yeah you're right I don't know I'd struggle pick I'd your fights <laughs> put it that way I would struggle whoever is the shortest I'd be going for them as like go for me then try and beat them down <laughs> first yeah but we'd have to be on the same side wouldn't we no, no, who do knows uh, have you got a, a, a one personal answer who's winning <laughs> no, that no I don't want to who's winning that Royal Rumble I think you would oh fair no, play no. love that um, on your new diet <laughs> yeah I need, to, I need to get into my weight class first before I show up in one of these. James says, Lozano, Chiesa or Gonçalves, you can only pick one. Who are you taking? I'm not actually too sure about if Villa are actually interested in Lozano or not. I haven't had that sort of... I haven't corroborated that yet. We know about Chiesa. Chiesa was correct. And Villa did try an ambitious move for him. Presumably he turned them down. Um, that was ambitious, I thought. Uh, my answer straight away would be Chiesa because I yeah. think he would fit in what Emery wants. Everyone loves Gonçalves. Um, I do as well. I think he's a great player. He has a £68 million pound buyout, €80 million euro buyout. Pau Torres had a £55 million pound buyout. Yeah, and no one would be paying that because th- they've just bought, um, they've bought, I think, 40% of... So the Sporting bought Gonçalves from Familia Cal, who were a lower Portuguese team, and they had a big sell-on clause, so they've... Yeah, they've bought that out most of it so they own 90% now of Gonçalves so they spent 7 million to get that which you presume they wouldn't be thinking that someone's buying them out if they, you know so maybe they're expecting a bit this summer from someone I don't know my only thing with Gonçalves is he's very versatile he can play midfield left wing different positions so one part of me says oh he'd be brilliant in our system but I don't know if he's exactly what we're looking for I, I think we're looking more so for a you know, you look at a Kiesa or a Nico Williams, that's a player who's going to be on the shoulder or a player that's going to be with Ollie Watkins. I'm not sure if Gonçalves has that. I think he'd rather um, sort of drop to receive and move the ball. So, you know, must have to buy him plus another one, I think. So I would go with You Kiesa. can only have one. Yeah, I know, I would go with Kiesa then uh, off that. And um, I think Lozano's a very good player as well. But Kiesa's an excellent player. I think that's uh, was a bit ambitious by Villa. Be ambitious. You need ambition, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need Absolutely, to go for those yeah. players, and you know, eventually, hopefully, we'll get to that stage where those players will be more likely, should we say, to sign. And Pau Torres is definitely a nod to that. So, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. would you go for? I went Kaiser just because he seems the most mad. Like, that sounds <laughs> yeah, like a mad signing. So, if I can only pick yeah, one, he did have a, 
he had an ACL um, last season, I think, or maybe this season. Can't quite remember. Last season was tricky for him at UVA. And you mean last season? I mean last one this before, season, well, yeah, not the one just gone. We're in that weird stage, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. From Daniel Bowden, he says, "How will the Thursday Sunday fixture change due to being in Europe affect our league position next season?" Emery's used to it, but the majority of the players won't be. Now, I don't think this will impact us massively. I think Emery is this kind of European expert, and he'll know exactly how to manage it, like Daniel says. And I get that it's new for the players, but he will prepare them in the right way. His his insight and his knowledge of how to prepare a side for that fixture pileup. It's kind of irrelevant that the players haven't gone through it because the manager has and the manager makes decisions, so he'll prepare the medical team and the recovery teams and whatever else to get the players ready for that. This is a bit of a laboured point, but I think if we were heading into Europe for the first time now since 20-whenever with Dean Smith in charge, who has also never managed in Europe before, I'd be more concerned about how that would affect a drop-off in the Mm -hmm. Premier League because it's new for him as well. And this isn't an anti-Dean Smith thing, by the way, that's just an example. Because Emery's been there and done it, I don't think it will affect league position too much. It's, it's almost a little bit of a cliche to go, it's a fixture change, it's more games, Villa will finish 15th next year, but they might do well in Europe, but Premier League will go down a spiral. I don't think there will be a drop-off, basically. Yeah, and I think if you look at, you know, since Emery came in, only City and Arsenal got more points, only City got more points than the start of since the start of 2023, but does that mean Villa are going to finish third or second next season? Well, yeah, no. Pro- probably not. So... But that is also comfort to think, well, actually, we can definitely f- still finish in the top seven next season because we were that good. So while Even we, with a drop we're not, off. we want to be in the Champions League, a drop-off really would mean that with where we were this season, which would be a brilliant season. Well, yeah, the drop-off might be comparable to the 10 games under Steven Gerrard in terms of points. Yes. So you'd, overall, you'd still yeah. finish in around the top yeah, seven. Yeah, that, exactly that. So I personally don't buy the... Um, when people say, "Oh, would you take West Ham have done in the you know finishing low in the Premier League and winning the Conference League?" I understand it because then you're in Europe and it's technically a successful season and you have that moment of winning the trophy. But that means that something's gone dramatically wrong, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that would be an issue. West Ham were fighting relegation up until the last four games of the season, hmm. so that wasn't a successful season. However, you, in terms of you, you know what I'm trying to say in terms of the Premier yeah. League, Villa, if they do that, well, there's a problem then, isn't there? So we have to be finishing. In, in the top half really because then that means that we're only a few points off Europe mm. and that's this you know that could be the final three games of the season where we're coming up to the Conference League final hypothetical so yeah um, I think he'll manage it fine I think it's just down to the players can they can they take on those hour long two hour long sessions between Thursdays and Sundays that's the key em- everything will be there in terms of what Emery's producing he's been in European football now for 15 in this moment will be his 16th season in it in a row. So he was in the Conference League last season with Villarreal so he knows all about it his coaches uh, coaching staff know all about it it's just can the players um, be sort of mentally prepared for it and I think they should be and Emery will he'll know that those players haven't been in that before so he'll give them the best resource and the best tools to um, yeah, make it work so I'm, I'm confident about that being fine one from Rakesh who says what is the future for Jaden Philogene Tim Irabunam Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey after stellar performances in the championship last year will they be willing to wait or will they or more likely their agents look to move them on I'll let you take this one yeah so Villa have got quite a number of players out uh, on loan or did last season the most notable would be Cameron Archer coming back and featuring the first team I'm not sure if Tim, Aaron Ramsey or um, Philogene will because I don't know if they're ready and maybe they are we'll see in pre-season I know that Stoke uh, want, uh, want Stoke want to sign Philogene 
I can see that happening because I'm not sure he'll be getting the game time needed. And will he need another loan for his own development? I think he probably... Sorry. <laughs> I think he's probably after a permanent move now to really kick on his career because he's a very good player. Um, but is he ready for the Villa first team? We'll see, potentially. Tim, he's had one year now in, uh, in Q at QPR on loan. Again, really promising player and someone who I'm not sure is ready yet. Maybe he's a bit too raw to um, play, but the same for Aaron Ramsey as well. But then you look at it and think, well, in the Conference League, Villa need to be hitting that home gro- homegrown um, sort of quota, those rules that are set. So you need four club-trained players to... Um, you need four club trained players in your team for the Conference League if we get past the group stage. Sorry, get past the playoff. Mm-hmm. Jacob Ramsey will be one. I'd have thought a goalkeeper would be a second, so maybe Sinasalo. Tim, I don't think would count because we signed him from West Brom back in 20... Is this, are you sure? Is this is trained at Villa and not just trained in England? Club trained. Okay. So you need four club trained players and four homegrown players. Right, okay. Homegrown players, Mike Cash, Emmy Martinez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He qualifies because he's at Arsenal. So, club train players, Cameron Archer, goalkeeper. Both um, the Ramsey brothers. Maybe his brother. Yeah. And maybe someone else. I don't know who. But then, for their development, do they need to move elsewhere on loan for the whole season? Or do they just tick a box for Villa? Yes. That's the thing you have to weigh up. So, and will they get the game time anyway in those competitions? I'm not too sure. Could you not just put a... um, I don't know. Random kid that's not going to play anyway. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Uh, that's up to the club and up to Emery because West Ham did it and Tottenham did it. They did it quite easily because they've got players that have um, come through their ranks and so do we, but it's just what's more beneficial for them. I think that will be the main thing. What happens if you can't fulfil that quota? Then your uh, overall squad goes down. Right, so if okay. you only put three club train players, then I think it's 25 overall players. It goes down to 24 and so on. So, yeah, that's another reason why Cameron Archer, I think, will probably stick around because if it, if he's not in it, then all of a sudden there's a bit of a... Unless yeah. you, as you say, put in four players who, you know, I don't know, just Tra- like Travis Parsons, so, Caden yeah, Young. 16-year-olds that probably aren't going to play anyway, but I've been trying at the club and just put them in to fill a hole and then the players that would qualify, Archer, uh, Ramsey, etc., you send them out on loan and get proper football. Yeah, it, it's what you... Exactly, it's, it's how you weigh it up. But I'd like to think Cameron Archer gets a shot at it next season. Uh Aaron Ramsey too, I'd love for him to get a chance. And But you're just thinking in Premier League games, are they going to get the opportunity? I don't, I'm not sure they will. And Conference League games, are gonna, we're going to take that you know, very seriously. We're going to respect every opponent. And I, wouldn't, I don't think there'll be too much shopping and changing between teams. You know, Now we have the luxury of taking out Douglas Louise and bringing in Tielemans. It's not Louise for Here Tim. Yeah. Or maybe it will be for uh, um, Kamara if he impresses in pre-season. But we don't know that yet. So let's see... Um, what happens in pre-season. Uh, another transfer-related one here from Arnold, who says, I'm happy with the window so far and links to other players. I'm slightly concerned about cover for Kamara, or another number six, due to his injuries last season, as I think he is crucial. Dendonka doesn't cut it, and McGinn is needed further forward. What are your thoughts? I agree. I think that is a, maybe not an issue, but it's somewhere that you definitely got to look at, because Kamara, as you say, does get injured, and if you played Louise and Tielemans, then you are missing that natural ball winner. I actually really like Dendonka, and I think whenever he's come in, he's always been a shout for man of the match. I look at the United game, Emery's first game, played very well. The two weeks before that against Brentford was excellent. Against Newcastle, excellent again. Mm. Other games possibly too. So maybe it's for him that he needs to get a move because he's not going to be guaranteed the game time that he needs. And I know that I think Villa and him are both sort of willing for that to happen. 
so a new player you'd presume would come in, maybe a player that can fill in a couple of roles. So Tyler Adams, for example, from Leeds is a player that Villa like. Can he occupy that role and fill in at right back potentially? He's done that at Leipzig. That might be an option that they explore, but he'll he won't be cheap because other clubs are interested in Brighton, Forest, Everton, you know, the bottom of the half of the Premier League would take Tyler Adams. But there's not there's not too much differences between him and Dendonka in terms of what they do. He wins more tackles and plays a few more progressive passes per ninety, but Dendonka he was in like the top three and top two percentile of blocks and interceptions in the Premier League last season. 87 passing accuracy as well. Again, not particularly progressive, but he keeps the ball. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Adams is, a, you know, you could say more wasteful, but it's not going to be a massive difference here and there. But I agree, yeah, probably a new uh, holding midfielder, should we say, comes in. But again, it's a good opportunity for Tim in pre-season to exactly, really stand yeah. out. Because that, that could solve a massive issue, not a massive issue, but it could be a huge bonus for Villa. Well, we don't want to be spending money where we don't have to be. If Tim, Tim can come in, you're not paying any big wages there. You're not paying any transfer there, isn't it? so It's great for his progression. So I'm um, hoping that in pre-season he can, he can impress and do that because there's a role there for him if he if he can take it and impress Emery. So I quite again like you. I quite like Dendonka and what he offers. The only thing I don't know whether I was going to say it's a downside, but an area that we could maybe improve is the mobility. That he's a bit kind of. I don't know how to say it without like, making it sound massively disrespectful, but a bit kind of like clunky, almost, that you need someone a bit more agile, a bit more speed, maybe. Potent- yeah, potentially, and Tyler Adams would give you that, and those are the players on, on Villa's list that would fill- fit that job. So, yeah, I think if, again, if an offer comes in for Dendonka, which I'm sure it will, Villa will negotiate with it, and uh, I think it's likely that he'll probably depart this summer. And if that's the case, then, yeah, you'd, you'd expect a new a new body through the door sort of thing but I just think for Tim take the opportunity like in pre-season he'll be all over that you've got to fly on you it's gone don't worry <laughs> question from Nick and we spoke about this on a podcast that we've done with Jamie Kemble and we spoke about Paul Torres last week as well again as of we're recording this video he's not officially holding up the shirt anywhere but it's he will be it's going to happen um, Torres Carlos Mings and Conza all fully fit who are you starting as the back two for the first game of the season? I don't think you can make a harder question. That's a great <laughs> question, it, isn't it, from Nick? I love you that. You couldn't make a harder question right now. I think pre-season will likely give us the answer to that. If we play Torres and Mings for four pre-season games in a row, it's probably going to be those two. I'm going to have to partially sit on the bench. Sit on the bench? <laughs> sit on the fence. <laughs> One or two of them will be sat on the bench. If, if Newcastle was tomorrow, you'd start Mings and Conza because you, it's tried and trusted and it's good. <laughs> But then the, the the question I ask is, well, can you play two left footers in a back four, or will Emery do that in terms of the two? I don't think he will. It's between Torres and Mings. Then Torres is or was one of the best La Liga centre backs last season, and is an excellent player, arguably our best centre back now, one of our best players in the team. Yeah, on paper. Yep. But then Mings is was our one of our best players last season, and we all know, you know, an excellent player himself. So it's it's so difficult. I, I genuinely can't. What about back three? Conso or Carlos on the right, Mings in the middle, Torres on the yeah. left? The question says back two, though. I know, no, I know. But that it's would a cop out. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. If, <laughs> I don't know. Mings, Mings and Conso right now because that's tried and trusted. But then over pre season, Emery is going to. Could be Mings. Uh, sorry, could be Torres and Con, uh, Carlos for all we know. And that looks. Sounds good to me. <laughs> exactly, you know, yeah. any, any mix, any kind of a pick and mix, isn't it? Whichever one I think will. Whichever partnership, sorry, I think will be. Fine, but it's uh, it's exciting. Squad depth for sure, yeah. Very, uh, it's positive. Penultimate question then from Chris. I've heard and read mixed reports ranging from we have no money or we won't spend much this summer because of financial fair play, 
and we have 200 million to spend and money is no object, which is it? Now, I'm going to take an assumption here and, and guess that this is from the 1874 podcast from Dan and, and Greg in the last couple of days, where Greg, was, Greg Evans was discussing about how Villa maybe need to be careful with FFP and at some point are going to have to make a player sale to kind of keep the income rolling and things like that. I've also heard Dan on the, the James Olcott podcast on Spotify with like a 200 million war chest of like, let's go and spend this and spend that. And maybe some of that was a little bit hypothetical. And I think, I think again, I'm making an assumption here on Chris's question that this is where the, this conversation has come from. I think what Greg was saying has probably been taken out of context a little bit. It was taken from, out of context. From, yeah. from the bits I've seen. I've not listened to the whole thing, but I've seen kind of segments of it. Greg wasn't saying we have to sell a player or, or even be in that position in 12 months' time. He was just referring to Villa can't spend their way. Yeah. And they need to yeah. be sensible. And that's everything that we know already. It's just that I think. I it's yeah, it's not that we need to sell Emmy Martinez this season to fund the rest of our transfer budget of 150 million, 200 million. Villa, I don't think it's that ev- at all. Every club that doesn't have Champions League revenue. Is so, is so far and away lower in terms of their revenue streams. It's so far reduced compared to other clubs in the league. You have to box clever. You, you have to. And Villa have obviously spent a lot of money. We're f- over 400 million since they gained promotion. Mm. 285 million over the last three seasons. And they've taken in about 120 million plus, mainly from Jack Grealish. And Carnage can make a pure profit. Yeah. So that's great. So over the last three seasons, it's not a huge spend. But can Villa spend 120 million this summer and then spend another 100 million next summer? No, they can't. Because that's when you're overlapping on FFP because player sales are important. Doesn't mean we have to sell player for 60 million, but you just, you need to, you can't keep taking on big wages Mm. and you can't keep spending transfer sums. And yes, Torres and Tillemans have come in for a combined. 31 initially at the moment but FFP doesn't just look at oh you bought these players for relatively cheaper than they're supposed to be that's fine it doesn't work like that there's a big wage on Tielemans there'll be a big wage on Torres there's a big wage on other players who have come in recently Uh, Coutinho who granted might leave Uh, other players too Kamara big wage so free transfer is great but it's still a big sum of money it's just being sensible that's all it is and Villa will continue to do that they can't spend their way to success and we know that that's why Emery coming in is great because he can buy Alex Moreno for 12, 13 million pounds yeah, yeah. and make a huge difference so yeah it's nothing it's not like a, you know a big worry as such for the club or, or, for, or shouldn't be for fans either it's just a simple message of Villa play sales are important Danny Ings going 15 million was important Yes. if they can recoup, recoup a good fee from Dendonka then brilliant Yeah. does that mean they can then double those uh, transfer fees as such no probably not you just got to be clever with it. If Villa don't make the top four in the next two or three years, some players will leave and for big money because we have good players now. And that's that's not part of the plan. No. But it's a brilliant position to be though. in when every single one of your players has just improved by 10, 20 million quid under Emery. And players that were maybe on the periphery of a, I don't know, a Matty Cash say that we signed for 15 million. If we've made him slightly better over the last few years and he's now worth 21, 22, yes, it's not this massive return of investment, but it's it's money back in the pot that overall helps our financial accounts like you said it doesn't need to be an 80 million sale of Douglas Louise it can be little yeah. ones here and, when, and there and they are inevitable when Villa got promoted they spent a lot of money because they had to that, that was taken out of context but we spent about 11 million per player because we had to do it which totaled to about 120 million which is a lot of money um, but a lot of those players they bought f- at an age that they'd be able to improve and develop under Dean Smith which they did 
Uh, and then Jared came in was probably the wrong appointment. Now Emery's taking them on a step further. But all of those players, Douglas Louise's, Matty Cash, uh, Consul, those players now are getting to sort of middle age, I suppose, in their careers. They're worth a lot of money yeah. because they've come from 22 up until 24, 25. So if they're in a position where they want to buy this player and they have to buy this one to really take it up a notch or whatever, and they're close to FFP, then decisions can be made and they're not fire sales yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. and Villa aren't going to be in a position where they have to sell there's no big Douglas red, red panic button at Villa Park going oh my god we're gonna, we're in trouble sell Douglas Louise exactly Louis. and that's, that's a brilliant position to be in so yeah. yes Villa will be going closer to FFP if they spend more money of course they will it's the same for any club um, but they're in a good position where they have a lot of assets uh, that clubs want to buy and they're all on long contracts too which is another credit to the club getting yeah, Louise tied down yeah. over the next two years it's only Watkins and Leon Bailey that are sort of first team stars as such um, that have 24 months left on the deal so really good position for Villa to be in um, it's just that if you're not a, a club that has the luxury of having Champions League revenue your um, your money your revenue is going to be lower therefore your FFP is going to be tighter all those things so yeah for Newcastle it was big for them to get into the Champions League because they're, they're obviously sailing close to the wind so Let's move on to the last question, which is absolute nonsense. We'll probably spend more discussion on this than we did on our last one. So I've got to, I've got to do this in like a multi-question uh, format here. So the AFFC faithful first of all tweeted, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Nicholas replied, no, but banana? AFFC faithful, what? In capitals. Nicholas says, a few thin slices. AFFC faithful, this has to be discussed on the podcast. That's outrageous. And I replied saying, straight into the document, which is here. Nicholas says, I'm excited, but you can't talk about it if you haven't tried it. So let's rewind a little bit there. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? I'll throw you even more. I don't really like pizza. Oh. <laughs> I'm the wrong man to talk to. Yeah, you're this super fit gym guy. You don't even eat, oh, no, you no, really no, not, eat it. Just not a fan. Pizza's <laughs> one of the, the best things but to I have because you can change the toppings. And pizza sounds... I was going to swear, crazy. Yeah, pineapple on pizza is the Pine- age-old question. I I don't like it. I don't like pineapple. So that's the big <laughs> too sweet for. I just don't like the taste. I don't like the sweet, texture. Sweet and savoury, isn't it? Like yeah, it's just weird. So bananas. Uh, pineapple on pizza is a no because I don't like pineapple. But I also don't think it should be on a savoury thing anyway. If you're doing pineapple, you might as well throw an apple, banana, grapes. I don't know. You might as well. Oh, it's just experiment. Not, it's, but that's the thing. It's not right, is it? But banana on pizza. Have is, you tried it? No, I haven't tried it. But why would I want to? It's, that is outrageous. Nick, Nick's <laughs> saying so. I mean, I just got, I, I, I fail to believe there'll be anyone else listening to or watching this podcast on Spotify or YouTube, subscribe by the way, who will agree that banana on pizza is a good idea. Uh, most people will be split on the pineapple thing. Never mind. Banana, banana is quite versatile though. Not on a pizza though. In a pudding. Banana like bread, a dough, yeah, pizza. But that's, that's, still, that's a still a sweet yeah. product. It's supposed to be like a cake, isn't if, it? If, yeah, if, if, if you're talking... Pizza is supposed to be savoury, so why would you stick a banana on it? Why would you stick pineapple never on s- it? I've never seen it advertised either. Oh, it's, I mean, I don't know where Nicholas is from. Maybe it's a speciality wherever he's from. If he's from the UK, it's <laughs> it's bananas. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, I think. I think that was all the questions I had for this q and I will try and do my best to get this out on the day we're filming it, so Tuesday afternoon, hopefully, depending on what time we get back from Hockley. If not, it'll be Wednesday the 5th of July. Um, so none of the things we've talked about go out of date. Like we just mentioned, you know, Ollie Watkins is, hasn't signed a new contract yet. 
you might have by the time this comes out who knows so we'll do my best to get this out as quick as possible if you're watching this on youtube get involved in the comments down below maybe answer your own give your own answers to some of these questions as well uh, if you listen on spotify leave us reviews share the podcast all those things really help us out massively thanks to hockey social club for letting us film here this afternoon it's very much appreciated as always and john thanks for your time and insight as ever thank you very much for watching or listening to this podcast and we'll see you again on another one very very soon Thank you.